eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Flying solo today. Well, I shouldn't say flying solo. Uh, a very anticipated co-pilot welcoming back Evan Miyakawa from evanmia.com. You're out from underneath the pile of books and, and defenses and everything. Your head is above water again a smarter and wiser person i would think but we're about to experience the same because evan all your numbers all your insight gonna help us crack the riddle of west virginia basketball uh welcome back how are you i'm doing really well i'm really thankful to be here uh we we did a podcast last year and it was one of my favorite favorite podcasts i did so i'm really happy to talk hoops with you and uh dissect a little bit of what is a a puzzling west virginia team right now uh there's a lot there's a lot that the analytics have to say about what they what they are what they aren't and what could possibly be improved there so i'm excited to talk about it yeah so you are one of the guests that i think a lot of people listened to the first time and said wait a minute what and then the more they digested what you said and saw some of these things happening last season a lot of which you predicted um come true and then i frequently pepper some of the things that i write with according to evanmia.com. And then all of a sudden I realized that people on our board and who subscribe to our site are throwing your facts and figures in my face before I can actually get to them now. So I feel like it went somewhere. So I'm glad that that worked out for you, but I also want to, I also want to point out the dedication that you're going to put into this podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. You've been quite busy with academics. Um, and yet you have carved out a lot of Intel, never mind the time to contribute here today. The elevator explanation here. Um, what have you been up to so people understand how how Herculean your research and performance today is? Sure. So, I mean, just a little bit of background on me, if you're unfamiliar. Uh, I just finished the PhD in statistics program at Baylor. So I was there for almost five years and uh, defended my dissertation a couple weeks ago, which is great. So I'm, I'm done with school, got my PhD, and I've been running this uh, analytics site, evanmia.com, for couple years now. And uh, one of the things that I, I love about it is specifically at a player level, really looking at the impact of individual players on team performance. And that's really broken down both from an individual stats perspective. So looking at expected impact for players based on their you know traditional box score statistics. But it really goes beyond that too, looking at uh, impact on team performance when you're on the floor. I think both of those are really important components to kind of put together. There's some historical information as well that kind of goes in to help stabilize these ratings, especially at the beginning of the year. And it ultimately helps illustrate a lot of things that people are looking for. So a lot of statistics that I have agree with the eye test, but some do not. So you'll see a lot of players, you know, the top of my player ratings that have a metric called Bayesian performance rating, which is kind of that 
overall in player impact that kind of incorporates all those pieces you'll see a lot of guys there you might expect but you'll see some especially players who really impact the game beyond just their box score statistics uh you got to see you know a lot of these guys get some love that that is deserved even if they aren't uh you know the the star of the team or you know all conference player so I think West Virginia is a great team that sort of illustrates some of this. A guy like Gabo Saboyan, who we can talk about in a little bit, always evaluates better than you might expect in a lot of my metrics because of his effort. And that really shows up in how much better West Virginia performs with him on the floor. So a lot of my analytics are really based around these player impact metrics. And then that builds back up into the team, you know, evaluation overall. So a lot of interesting insights there. You've added to your website too, never mind visually, but the content and and some of the, I guess some of the ratings and some of the metrics that you use are new. And I'm wondering, uh, how many do you go through before you decide, okay, these are the three or four that I want to put in. And it's more than three or four, but so I guess, how do you pick out and decide which are the best ones and, and why have you settled on some of the additions that you have so far? Because it, it does give you a more roundabout understanding of everything and everyone you're watching. That's a great question. I feel like my uh, website's really just sort of a play box for me to kind of throw a lot of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So I kind of feel like every year there will be slightly new things, uh, some new things that I have on the site this year that I think are really cool. Um, Beyond just the actual overall player ratings, you have stuff like uh, most valuable players and most indispensable players to the team. So that's still a reflection of overall player impact, but also looking at how much worse is a team when a player's off the floor and how much does it hurt them when he's not on the court and so you start to see some guys rise to the top of that most indispensable player list that maybe wouldn't be at the top of the overall player impact metrics and then something else more recently if i were to pick another feature is tracking scoring runs so i found this really interesting where i'm looking at teams that go on a any sort of double digit scoring run so that's 10 points or more scored without the opposition scoring and that has shown to be, number one, really illustrative of, of teams that are either really streaky or really consistent, but also a predictor of future success. So I've started tracking that within the last month or two, and that's also been super fun. So I track that as well. There's lots of stuff like that that I track, and I'm always thinking of more ideas that I can add. So, you know, I wouldn't ex- expect the new features to stop uh, coming out anytime soon. And, and credit to you, because something like this that's introduced, that's clever, influential important to track it really needs a clever name and you nailed it i appreciate that um i i try and uh you know i i think about things from a very analytical statistical perspective but i'm also a fan of the sport a fan of basketball and i understand that the average person who is connecting with the stuff that i'm doing isn't thinking about it in the same context that i am so i think it's super important for me to be able to take these advanced metrics these really statistical ideas and kind of break it down and ultimately boil it down to things that we can really understand even at just a basketball fan level. And then ultimately that can help kind of guide our viewing experiences and you start to notice more trends when you watch games and stuff. So I think it's really important to not only have the numbers, but be able to interpret it into something that's meaningful just to your everyday basketball fan. Yeah. And I've seen it take off too. You're, you're kind of uh, setting a trend here now because somebody has a kill shot during a game and that's the term that you gave it, correct? And then all of a that sudden, is correct. I see that coming up somewhere I'm like, oh, kill shot, kill shot. And now it just looks like when someone hits a 10-0 or 12-0 run, bam, someone's tweeting about it. So you know you're going places with that. So I, again, my uh, my my kudos to you for that. Um, Let's get into West Virginia. They play tonight, 7 p.m. against Iowa State. 
a team that was maybe trending in a direction that West Virginia has continued, but has gotten its act together. Maybe you can fill in some of the blanks there, but West Virginia has not gotten its act together. People who are listening to this have been watching from close, um, maybe from afar, the longer this has gone on and probably has an idea of what isn't working. And that's not sufficient. I think the explanation probably is what maybe will make people feel better or worse, but at least they would understand it better. Evan, from your perspective, your numbers, your website, your knowledge of basketball here, how the heck did this happen? Uh, you know, I think it's a great, a great question. Uh, West Virginia certainly, you know, about a month ago was a team that was in a much better shape, as you know, and they've had seven losses in a row since then. Uh, right now, I have them still 54th in the country, which is a little bit higher than you might see some other predictive metrics. I think they're about 65th in Ken Palm. Uh, defense slightly better than offense. I do think a big factor recently and going forward is depending on the status of Taz Sherman. I actually track uh, how much a team's rating changes when there are certain injuries. So if Taz Sherman is out for any game right now, their rating drops from about 54th to 66th. That's the impact that he has on the team. Obviously, that's pretty huge. Uh, and I think another thing that's kind of hurting them right now is because of these losses, uh, even some of them being close losses, their resumes now uh, down to 73rd uh, in a lot of these metrics, which is worse than their overall team strength. So you would hope from a West Virginia perspective that their quality starts to make up for that gap there. But one of the things I think is interesting to look at is quantifying just how much their performance this last month has really dropped their rating. And they were 33rd in the country to start this year. And now they're down to 54th. Uh, so that's, you know, just illustrative of the big drop that they've had. And I do think a lot of it really comes down to several players on this team, several different types of lineups that are pretty shockingly worse than the production of the rest of these players. So I do think the metrics really illustrate some of the problems that West Virginia has. And there also are some, some, at least to me, from an analytics perspective, some more likely solutions that would help raise this team's performance level. All right, let's crack our knuckles now. Um, what's good? What stinks? Uh, who should we be looking at for getting more? Who should we be looking at for getting less? Who needs to be together? Who needs to be apart? What do you What do you see here when you you have everything in front of you? All right, so here's what I've come up with for what I would call how to solve West Virginia's problems right now. Okay. Okay. So. There, there are three players that lead the team in minutes, uh, and those would be Taz Sherman, Jalen Bridges, and Sean McNeil. Those are the three main guys who are putting up lots of minutes, and they're you know favoring reasonably well in the player impact metrics, so I wouldn't really touch that. But there are there is one or two guys in particular who are really shining in terms of their impact on team performance, and one or two guys who are really uh, not shining uh, and are having a really big negative impact. So... If we start with the positive, I would start with Gabe Osaboyan. And the reason why Gabe uh, evaluates as West Virginia's best player, according to Bayesian performance rating, my metric that measures overall player impact, has a lot to do with his defensive impact. He leads the Big 12 in defensive rating, and he's actually third in the entire country. And part of that is because of his individual stats. You know, he only plays a little less than 20 minutes a game, I think. Uh, but when you look at his his efficiency on the defensive end in terms of these individual stats, he's averaging about 12.4 rebounds per 40 minutes and three steals per 40. Those are both really good numbers. The other thing is that when you actually look at West Virginia's performance on the defensive end, just when he's on the court without even looking at his individual stats, 
for all players in West Virginia who have played at least 500 possessions, that's the bulk of their rotation, he leads the team in a metric that's called adjusted team defensive efficiency. So this is looking at how many points per possession does the team allow when a player is on the floor and that adjusts for the strength of opposition faced by each player. Uh, so not just the overall teams that they face, but down to the play by play that each possession, you know, how good were the opponents on the floor for each possession that they played. So Gabo Saboyan leads the team at, when the team is allowing just 84.6 points per 100 possessions. That number in and of itself probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. But if I were to compare that to the worst player in this metric on the team, which we'll probably get into in a second, and that's Isaiah Cottrell. When he's on the floor, West Virginia is allowing 100 points per 100 possessions. So if I were to translate that to a, a number that makes sense from a, a game perspective, if you were to have uh, West Virginia or if uh, Gabo Saboyan is on the floor for all 40 minutes of the game versus Isaiah Cottrell being on the floor for all 40 points, West Virginia is giving up about 10 more points per game defensively if you have Isaiah on the floor versus Gabe. That's a big difference. And when you actually break that down into the just overall uh, adjusted team efficiency margins, this is including both offensive and defensive performance. Gabe Osaboyan leads the team in, in that metric as well at 31 or 37 points per 100 possessions better than opponents. And Cottrell is at zero. So that translates to a difference of about 24 points in 40 minutes, give or take. That's a huge, huge, huge difference in performance. And uh, I mean, the thing I love about Gabo Saboyan is that another thing I track is that every teammate is playing better when he's on the floor than their normal averages, uh, which is uh, really awesome. And it just means that both from an individual stats perspective, but also the impact he's having on his teammates, uh, just West Virginia's night and day better when he's on the court. Okay. I always say this, use your eyes. I think anybody who watches West Virginia would probably, well, they might not have the depth of detail you just have, but certainly they can agree with that. Uh, Cottrell, let's start there for a second. Evan, you yes. have him as the worst rated player in the Big 12. Um, and again, I think people could watch him play this year and be like, all right, he's, he's not very good. He's a weak link here, but he is clearly by your evaluations. He's not the worst player in the Big 12, but by your evaluations, he's the worst rated player in the conference. Um, what does this mean? Yeah, so I think there are several issues with why his impact is so poor. He's the only player on West Virginia with both a negative rating in offense and defense. His, you know, individual stats certainly tell part of the story. He's only shooting, you know, for example, 33% from the field, which is really, really bad. But as I noted earlier, the team is just playing so much worse with him on the floor. When you look at his on-off splits, so this is a really helpful way of seeing, you know, does a team perform better or worse with them on the floor? His on-off uh, margin is, you know, 24 points worse per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. Every teammate is playing worse when he's on the floor. That's the opposite of what you see with Gabo Savoyan. And it's just really rare to see such a huge gap between a team's, you know, most impactful players like Gabo Savoyan and Taz Sherman and their worst player uh, in terms of impact, which is Isaiah Cottrell. I mean, it's, it's just a huge disparity. It's not that normal to see that big of a difference, especially when you're talking about players who are you know, getting major minutes in games. So to me, I think, you know, he could, you know, still have a role in this team. But if you were to, 
you know, take away some of his, his minutes and give it to players who are a little bit more efficient. I think that would just instantly boost this team. And again, you can't necessarily predict future performance just by making a move like that. But it's pretty obvious to me that he's just really, I don't want to say sucking the life out of the team, but from an analytics perspective, there's just a, a night and day difference between how good this West Virginia team is when he's playing versus when he's not. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Yeah, and, and anecdotally, you can look at it and say, here's a guy who's 6'10", and his offensive gift is he's supposed to shoot threes. That's not happening. He can be a pick-and-pop player. They don't screen or roll very well. So the offensive boost that could be there doesn't exist. So there goes the win from those sales. Defensively, he's just not big enough, tall enough, strong enough to play down in the basket against some of these guys under rebound. So teams are getting easy shots because he's not much of a deterrent. They're getting second and third shots because he's not a great rebounder. And again, that takes the wind out of the sales there. So you, you could watch the game and say, okay, that does make a lot of sense. And your numbers support that completely. Um, what else is on your list about how to fix this? So as something else that I like to track too uh, is we, we can get more down to other individual players who might be impactful, but something else interesting is looking at lineup rating. So for each team, I track their best two-man lineups, and that helps illustrate a lot of things like teammate chemistry, for example. And I look at three-man lineups, four-man, five-man, and there's some interesting things that I found when kind of digging into West Virginia's performance. So starting at the teammate, you know, duo level, when you look at West Virginia's best two-man lineups, their best duos, the best duo is Taz Sherman and Kobe Johnson by far. And, you know, that that unit has only gotten about 80 possessions uh, so far. So it's not a huge sample size, but their performance in terms of team efficiency when they're on the floor is by far their best. So that's kind of interesting. I would love to see that a bit more. And then going on the opposite side to Isaiah Cottrell, He's in four of the five worst uh, teammate duos. And the worst one is with Malik Curry, which is kind of interesting. So just in general, you can see that, you know, he is having a negative impact. Uh, even, you know, when looking at this, this teammate duo perspective, there's one in particular three-man lineup for West Virginia. That's pretty, there's a huge gap between how bad they are and the rest. And that's the lineup with uh, Bridges, Cottrell, and Malik Curry. Uh, and that three-man combo is uh, being outscored by opponents about 40 points per 100 possessions. So that's probably about 30 points in a game. So if you're just looking at possessions when those three are in the game, West Virginia is losing a game by 30 if they're in the entire game. That's pretty, pretty bad. So at the very least, I would stay away from that lineup combo of Jalen Bridges, Isaiah Cottrell, and Malik Curry because it's just not going very well. There, another thing interesting, too, is looking at West Virginia's five-man lineups. So this is what a lot of people like to think about. The most used lineup this year, uh, 
of uh, Bridges, Cottrell, Kedrian Johnson, Sean McNeil, and Taz Sherman has been pretty bad uh, compared to other lineups that they've employed. Oh, uh, that's their it, starting lineup, Evan. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And there's a lot, you know, that's, that lineup has played a lot. And it's been uh, very conclusive that uh, it has been not great compared to their other lineups. Their best lineup so far, uh, and I think this is looking at lineups of at least 30 possessions played, um, has been Jalen Bridges, Curry, McNeil, Polycap, and Sherman, which is kind of interesting. A huge difference between that lineup and their starting lineup, you know, when everyone's healthy. So might be time to experiment with that a little bit. Uh, you know, I it's just not working. Interesting, because uh, that, that great five you just talked about there is one that I'm thinking I know. Actually, I know I've seen tweets and messages from fans saying, why don't they play these five more? Um yeah, there's a good indication to it. But it lacks Osaboyan too, who is, as you mentioned, really good for no matter whom he plays with. And maybe he's not the offensive punch. And maybe you kind of trade off offense, defense here, which leads me to this. This team can take a bunch of different shapes. They are kind of determined to play with two big sometimes. They have some perimeter talent where they can put, you know, three, let's just say three shooters out there who can score plus a point guard and Curry who can who can bounce it and get to the basket. That leaves, you know, just one big there. They can they can be defensive minded with some of their lineups. They could be faster with some of their lineups. Is, is there a direction? Is there a pace? Is there a a side of the court that, depending on the lineup, is more indicative of their success or failures? Yeah, I do think uh, a lot of it comes down to their offensive efficiency. That's certainly the side of the ball that they've struggled with more this year, and. You know, I do think I pointed out uh, that, you know, Gabo Saboyan has had a big impact defensively, but he also happens to have the best uh, offensive impact on the team, just purely in terms of how well the offense has played with him on the court. So it certainly, you know, playing him is not a detractor on the offensive end at all. And obviously you get a huge boost defensively. But I think trying to look for what lineups have worked, especially from a from an offensive perspective. I, that's the that's the side of the ball for me that that they really need to work on and I don't necessarily have the exact solution to that you know numbers don't tell the whole story but that's certainly the side of the ball that concerns me the most and when you're talking about a big 12 that is just loaded with defensive talent um, you know one of the things I like to track beyond just you know conference ratings as a whole is looking at which conferences are the best on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball so the Big 12 rates is the best conference overall. That's not a surprise. But there's a big gap between their defensive rating and the second best defensive conference, which is the SEC. There's just a, a really massive gap there. So when you're talking about the, the run of solid defenses that you have, that West Virginia has faced and will continue to face in the Big 12, for me, you know, getting that working on the offensive side of the ball is, is the key to success. Is it too late to get going on that? You know, do you, do you believe in season long trends being predictors or can you flip a switch and, you know, maybe a guy who is, who is, I'm holding my hands apart in my office here, which does nothing for this, this format, but this far apart, if he just gets, I'm shrinking my hands now this far apart, a little bit closer to where he should be. Can that make enough of a difference? Or is, is it just hard to see at this point that many players, because the problem is so profound doing enough to make the change? Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily have a conclusive answer for that. You know, you could certainly try things. And obviously, you know, there's a reason why you and I are not the coach uh, paid to to coach this team. Um, you know, Bob Huggins is certainly a renowned coach, and I'd put a lot of trust in him. Um, but I would say that, you know, 
a lot of times what you need when you're in a rut like this is a change and it, a change in some form can be a catalyst and that doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to throw out everything that you've been doing and and never come back to it again but i think even just you know changing your starting lineup or changing the way that you're doing rotations based on you know some of these numbers can help spark the team and say hey we're making a change here because we want to be better than we are before just doing the same thing over and over again probably isn't going to change anything. So for me, I think that's where you got to start is is find something different than what you've been doing. And I certainly think getting a healthy Taz Sherman back will be help, helpful by far. You know, there's a reason why he's, you know, been so good this year, averaging almost 20 points per game. Uh, you know, he's the leader of this team and I just love what he's doing. But, you know, I think beyond that, you got to you got to find something. Maybe you look at a guy like Kobe Johnson, for example, who rates third on West Virginia in my overall player impact metric Bayesian performance rating, even though he hasn't played that many minutes. He's actually third in all of the Big 12 in team adjusted efficiency margin, which means if you look at how well each team plays uh, with that player on the floor for all of the Big 12, he's third, which is pretty crazy. And he's only playing nine minutes a game. So who knows, maybe he could play more minutes and maybe take some of a guy like Kadrian Johnson's minutes who, you know, evaluates worse in a similar position. Um, so I don't know, you know, I think um, I, I think you got to start with something. You got to change something because what they're doing right now is not working. PhD from Baylor, right? Yes, that's correct. You've had some free time in your hands. <laughs> I, I make the free time. Let's put it that way. Okay. Did you watch West Virginia Baylor last week? Uh, I did. I did. Uh, and I feel like I've seen so many games since then. Uh, but but yeah, really interesting game. And I felt like, you know, uh, you know, West Virginia looked better uh, in the first half and then Baylor really asserted themselves down the stretch. Um, but I, I've always felt, you know, as a Baylor fan, I felt like Baylor has always struggled maybe more than you might expect with West Virginia just because of how hard they play, especially when coming to Morgantown. So to me, I see West Virginia and I see the pieces and I think they've got they've got what it takes. And we've seen that, you know, at the beginning of the season up through December, you know, so I think they can turn this around. Um, and I, I would never count out uh, Bob Huggins coach team in any game, really. So and I was, you know, going even back to last year, I expected them to do better in the tournament than they did, certainly. So I, I really hope they turn this around. The good thing is, despite losing seven in a row, they're still somehow in the tournament picture. Um, you know, right now in my bracketology, I have them as the third to last team in the field. I think the last bracket matrix update had them as the last team in the field. So they're still there. They're still right on the cut line. Um, so, and, you know, in a, in a conference where wins are big and losses don't hurt you as much because of the depth and the strength of the big 12, I certainly think they can, you know, they can get in the field if they kind of figure out some of their issues. Well, that was very intelligent. I was going to make a joke asking you where Jeremy Sohan's right cross ranked in the conference. <laughs> I'm not able to evaluate that, unfortunately. Well, I think it's high. I think we can probably say that, too. Um, I guess my, my last one will be this year, and we can we can get to going out of here, But because I'm thinking you probably emptied a lot of the content on your notepad in front of you. But I think a lot of people might also be struck by the fact that there is a confidence this team is, one, still in the postseason conversation, but, two, there is a lot of faith from indicators out there, whether it's numerically or observationally, that they can be okay. They're really not that far apart. I kind of contend that they might have been well served to get blown out once because then they might have to really look at some of the problems and say, okay, this does need to be fixed. Whereas getting close so often in a row 
there is some determination there to stick with it because it's almost there. And then just to get that group across the finish line and then away you go. I understand that too. But I also, as you have pointed out, could really see a, a benefit from changes. But this does seem like a team that's that's really at that proverbial fork in the road. The closer they get to 500, the worse they are. And they really have to get going sooner than later. Um, you've mentioned a couple. Perhaps you have a favorite you want to reiterate. Perhaps you have one or something you haven't gone to yet. If they're going to flip this switch, who or what? Is it just as simple as offense? Is it getting... Uh, a consolidation of good lineups and a distance from bad lineups? Um, or is it not one thing because the problem is such that right now that it requires a series of, I don't know, fixes, adaptations, yeah. adjustments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm not a sage with this, so I can't, I can't predict the perfect solution. I only have things that I would suggest based on the analytics might work. Um, but, you know, there's reasons that it goes beyond just numbers. It's about, it's about, you know, coaching touch. It's about feeling the game and those sorts of things. Um, but for me, you know, when I'm looking at diagnosing this team and coming up with a solution, I really do feel like, you know, a guy like Gabo Saboyan getting more minutes and decreasing Isaiah Cottrell's minutes, you know, it's there's such a gap in performance between those two that I really have a hard time believing that that wouldn't make an instant impact for this team. So that's certainly where I would start. But as you said, you know, they've played a lot of these games really close and, you know, I think they're an example of a team where you should not overreact to, you know, uh, lots of losses in a row, especially when you're looking at some of these close losses, because it's so easy, so easy to get caught up on the momentum train one way or the other. And I look at a lot of teams that, you know, I think Baylor's a great example. Baylor was number one in the country and everyone pretty much had them unanimously number one. And according to my analytics, they were right up there, but I still had Gonzaga ahead of them. And I had, you know, my friends at Baylor asking me, hey, you know, how is Baylor not number one? They're clearly the best team in the country. And then they have gone on a run where they've, you know, lost several games and have looked much worse than the first team in the country. And and now a lot of people might, based on that, have them outside of the top 10 or even the top 15. Uh, and I have them at eighth, which... I think is probably about right. So I think it's it's really easy to overreact. And ultimately, West Virginia has put together some really solid wins, some great performances, and have played a lot of games close such that you know what they have, what it takes to get it done down the stretch. And all it takes is one win to change the narrative, you know. So I think, you know, it's certainly not great the stretch that they've been on, but they have what it takes uh, to turn this around and maybe making a couple tweaks in terms of minutes, in terms of looking to guys who have been more efficient and are impacting this team, I think is certainly a place to start. But I do think that they, you know, from a strength perspective, you know, they're, they're a tournament quality team, especially if they can get some wins under their belt. Final question with Evan Miyakawa from evanmia.com. Big 12 was just a, a brute of a conference at the beginning of the season. I think a lot of people wondered, wow, how many losses will the champion have? Four, five, six? Don't think that's going to happen now. Kansas, kind of the outlier and that it doesn't have a ton of transfers and has high level offense in a league full of very good defenses has emerged as the top team. There is a crowd of teams that could vie for that second, that second level. And then really, I guess there's not even a fourth level. The third level is pretty thick. Um, what have you observed and what do you think of this conference this season as it is shaken out? And as the final, really about half of the schedule um, will, will decide. 
I think the thing that has struck me as being the most interesting about the Big 12 uh, is that their lowest team has always been so much higher than even some mid-level teams in other conferences. So right now, the Big 12's worst team is Kansas State, and they have them ranked 73rd. And a team that's ranked 73rd at this time of year often still has a chance of getting an at-large bid. That's crazy. So the depth of the Big 12, I think every team in the conference is thanking all of the other teams for how well they did in the non-con because all of any team, any loss that you take in this conference is not going to look as bad uh, from the resume perspective as you might have in some other conferences. So number one, that means every single night is a battle, no matter who you're playing. And second, I think it means that, you know, there's potential for quality wins all across the board. And I certainly think any team from this conference that gets in the tournament will be battle tested probably more than, than many teams in the country, even top teams. So like you said, there is a pretty big uh, delineation between that tier one and tier two. Right now I have Baylor at eight, Kansas at nine, which right now Kansas is probably at least based on their performance against Baylor probably should be a little bit higher than that. Texas Tech at 10. And then I actually have Texas at 13, which is a lot higher than some other people might have them anecdotally. Hmm. Again, an example of not overreacting. I had Texas lower than almost everybody in the preseason. And now I have them a little bit higher than most, but then you have a gap, but, but then, you know, all the other 16s, including West Virginia, right in the middle of that clump of teams that are all, you know, you know, in the field or outside the field, but looking in pretty close there. So I'm just super impressed by the strength of this conference. And I do think, you know, come Selection Sunday, any Big 12 teams that are, you know, in the hunt for a bid, their resume is just going to not, it's not going to have as many bad losses on the resume and any win that they have is going to look more impressive because of the uh, the depth and the high floor of this conference. West Virginia back on the floor tomorrow, excuse me, tonight, 7 p.m. against Iowa State, number 20 in the country. A loss is the longest losing streak in Bob Huggins' career. Keep your eyes on the floor on the lineups. Remember everything that Evan Miyakawa has just told you. You can find him at evanmia.com on Twitter, at Evan Mia. Let him know when you see a kill shot. I'm sure it'll make him feel redeemed uh evan anything else you'd like to add here you've said everything so well for so long here but i don't want to i don't want to take the last word <laughs> well i'm just looking at that game tomorrow that can be the catalyst for success you know at home versus iowa state right now looking at my game predictions i have west virginia favored by about a point and i'd put their win probability at 56 percent. so more likely than not that they can turn this around and uh so we'll see what happens does that account for sherman playing or not playing that accounts for Sherman not playing. So that line would move in West Virginia's favor if he is, in fact, active. He's the optimist. He's the expert with the numbers. He is Evan Miyakawa. Evan, can't thank you enough. Uh, congratulations on all your success academically and athletically here right now, too. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Take care.